Welcome to the Battleground Wisconsin podcast. My name is Matt Brusky and I'm the Deputy Director here at Citizen Action and welcome to another week from Wisconsin. We are charging into summer and that means we have our full panel, which is our horse rider, Jorna Taylor. Jorna is a nonprofit consultant here in Wisconsin. Jorna. Good morning from the Dressage Caucus of the Democratic Party. Yes, yes. More on that later, I'm sure. And as always, Robert Craig, Executive Director here at Citizen Action. Robert. Good morning, everyone. So we have a number of topics we want to talk about, includes some some news around photo ID education. We're going to talk a bit about outsourcing and, and jobs in general, and, and uh, also going to talk about a new report that came out that showed Wisconsin uh, having the second highest healthcare costs in the nation. Robert has some thoughts on that. We're gonna get we're gonna get some response on a on a ex- excellent story this this week in the Cap Times about women in politics and 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 the uh, challenges and hurdles with basically sexism that that they face. Um, and Paul Ryan watch, of course, to end the show. God, I'm so excited. Can we just? I want to do that first. Yeah, it's it's going to be good and long this week. So let's get through all the rest of the news, the and nonsense, get, and get to the fun stuff with Paul Ryan at the end. No, so um, Jordan, I'm actually going to start with you. I want to talk a little bit about photo ID. Um, I don't know if it was a new law, a little bit of confusion, or just clarification of what the actual law is around whether you can use a receipt for an ID that you have not received. Uh, so, help clarify. So, so this week there is an emergency rule being implemented around photo ID that is clarifying that folks can use the receipt that they receive when they go to the DMV. Because of the Real ID Act, our IDs, your driver's license, your ID, your state ID card, aren't necessarily made anymore at the actual DMV. Unlike when I was a kid, and you could walk on in yep. and get your cool laminated ID, and then you know figure out how you were gonna use that to make a fake what. Um, I don't never, nothing about I never those, did that. But you you get a receipt with your photo on it now, and that's good for, I believe, 45 days. And they're clarifying that you can use that because you're not going to have your hard ID in many cases. Right. That you can use that receipt as your proof of photo identification at the polls. So this is a good thing because we're going to send folks to the DMV who don't have IDs, and they're not going to actually have received it in the mail. Well, here's my understanding of what it does. And it obviously solves all the problems of photo IDs we won't have yep. to talk about Absolutely. anymore. Absolutely done. This will be the last time we talk about Drop it. Drop the mic. <laughs> if you go there and literally you have a problem such as your your middle name is different or one of the, or your, your, you don't have birth certificate because you were born in the South, right, and, uh, and, and birthed by a midwife, then it, if they know it's a, just a document issue that could probably be resolved, they give you a receipt you can use to vote. Right. Uh, at least temporarily. Yes. So you still need the photo ID at some point. So this expands that. What they're really trying to do is uh, public relations here to take care of some of the most egregious cases that national media has described with people going to the DMV endlessly and being unable to get their their, their, their ID and therefore being disenfranchised. Uh, but obviously they want to keep it in place because its point is to disenfranchise to scale. Uh, and so if a few more people can vote, then that's still okay, because as Glenn Grothman said, the point of this is to win the 2016 election. Uh, and I'm getting breaking news alerts on it from my friend Annalise Eicher at One Wisconsin Institute. We as love breaking this. news. We do love breaking news. And she's saying that it's really for the folks, again, as Robert's saying, with the free ID process, um, and that the appeals process on whether or not your documents were okay could take up to 180 days. So you will eventually get an ID or you will be denied. 
but this will be good and that receipt will be good until then. So yeah. It's totally clear. It's simple. There needs to be no education around this law. So this is says all very simple. Um, so other news this week on I photo ID. It sounds like it makes cheating easier to me. So, so the other news on photo ID this week is that the government accountability board has requested that the legislature release a quarter million dollars uh, for a campaign to educate voters. And as uh, Jorna, you gave us a little prelude there. The great folks of Racine, they, they don't need no education. They, there were no we problems. We don't need no they, education. <laughs> so, Everyone's singing along So, here. <laughs> you know, they, they got no complaints, apparently. So they have nothing against this for the rest of the state. But Racine's got it locked down. It's all good. There'll be nobody who's going to show up in Racine with any questions about voter ID. It's working as intended. It's People aren't just, voting as much. <laughs> it's unbelievable. I mean, look, we we underfund democracy and in, in the the instruments of how we protect our democracy or carry it out in this country. And then, of course, the notion that it's carried out through every municipality, which is strange. Um, it's absurd the notion that people would say somehow we need no more education about a law that is just taking place. And by the way, even if they had no issues in Racine with their 40 or 50% turnout. We're going to talk about 70% turnout, a whole new wave of folks who are much more likely to have issues with the voter ID coming out this fall. So even if they had no issues this spring, we're still talking about a significant expansion of the voter universe and a great deal of confusion that uh, is going to be caused this fall. Uh, to that end, I want to remind folks, we're looking for folks who are interested in getting trained up on potentially being poll workers or SRDs. And if you are, please contact a Anita.johnson at citizenactionwi.org. So with that, we are going to switch topics, and we're going to talk a little bit about jobs, the economy, something we talk a lot about because we think it's a dominant issue uh, in this election, but also just in terms of what Wisconsin has been facing for a number of years. Um, this week, Citizen Action uh, did a couple events with uh, Senator, Senator, soon-to-be Senator, <laughs> with candidate Russ Feingold around outsourcing. Yes, Citizen and, Russ, Matt. Yes, and, and, and trade in particular, and really talking about how trade has deeply impacted Wisconsin. So, Robert, why don't you tell us a little bit more about these events, and, and obviously let's connect them a little bit broader, talk a little bit more about uh, why it's so important in this election, in particular the Senate race. Well, we've been saying for a while that outsourcing is the smoking gun of the rigged economy, and government officials at the national level through trade treaties and at the local level through WEDEC literally enable the outsourcing because they think helping well-connected CEOs means economic policy and is good for everyone, which it isn't. And so Wisconsin has literally lost 110,000 net manufacturing jobs since 2000. Uh, and huge numbers in each part of the state. That's why a couple of weeks ago we published for uh, Ron Johnson's campaign launch uh, a map with all of the job losses in each place. And that actually became even a bigger deal today because a new, new Pew research shows that Wisconsin remains one of the most middle-class state in the country, but that the middle class is declining dramatically because of manufacturing jobs. And it's looking like, surprise, surprise, that having manufacturing jobs was a key to having a large, prosperous middle class. And so we stand to lose a great deal. And I was very impressed. We did two events with Russ, one in Green Bay and one in Milwaukee, and he was very eloquent on this issue and gets it and is campaigning on it and is all over Ron Johnson, who is forever every kind of trade agreement, until now that he read, apparently someone told him about some polling, so now he's still studying 
uh, the TPP, though Russ pointed out they did a Freedom of Information uh, Act request, and they can't find, so you have to sign in and look at it, any evidence that Johnson or his staff are actually studying it. Can't, can't, come on, I want to get to Paul Ryan watch. It's like killing uh, me. <laughs> come on, there's got to be a Paul Ryan connect to this. There, there is, and you won't let me talk about it right now because you're mean. <laughs> <laughs> so, hey, Robert, you mentioned that, that new report. I think that's really important. It does show why this issue is so salient, why uh, Ron Johnson is continuing to obfuscate on what we all know is his actual position of support for these agreements. So uh, we want to. I want to first give a shout out to a number of folks who part, who who were involved. Obviously, uh, a number of people in labor and uh, state representative uh, Eric Genrich, um, state representative David Bowen, and um, uh, Daniel Reamer also attended. Uh, but in particular, a lot of the people who have been impacted by outsourcing is who was really there at the event and who Russ wanted to hear from. And so we want to thank those folks who who've been hurt by outsourcing, who came and told their stories because they're important stories great labor leaders we had some very interesting stories in green bay about the outsourcing that is still going on and you know the at&t call center for example which is union in rhinelander has gone from 300 people to 30 because of course the jobs are be they, the call center is being uh, personed by people elsewhere as anyone who calls uh, will tend to notice and in the in the name of getting closer to Paul Ryan watch, yes. I'm just going to briefly mention Jorna in case folks folks missed it. Uh, of course, Weedick had more struggles this week, including um, this whole dispute over open records and how how they've been stonewalling essentially the t the two Democratic lawmakers on, supposedly on the board on the board time. right, just trying to get access to information. We'll have a link to that if you haven't read it. Please read it. Um, we're not going to go into detail now. Um, it's shocking, obviously, in terms of just. But you know, it's not this, clear this, there this thing are is not any underwriting documents. So that's the whole point. Uh, WEDEC just gives away money not based on anything. That's pretty clear in the records. And so, of course, there wouldn't be underwriting records that they claim exist. And that's why probably they either that or they're incriminating. But probably either they don't exist or they're incriminating or both. Well, and I, I think that obviously you guys at Citizen Action have been talking about this for a long time and really harping on how dysfunctional and... Um, dishonest Weedick is and what a bad investment it is for Wisconsin taxpayers but it will be interesting to see now that we're getting closer to summer if we can keep the pressure on and continue to blow this up as Weedick clearly continues to implode this is a huge huge thing uh, especially coming at a time when you know Governor Walker is deferring a 101 million dollar debt payment and losing manufacturing jobs and it's a presidential election year so I'm just saying that this could be a thing that actually gets the general public's attention, not just our very educated podcast listeners. So we will have more information for our listeners about this issue and the elections. We intend to do exactly what Jorna said. We're going to continue to try to make sure that this issue is front and center. But we're also going to go out and talk to voters in targeted places around the state about this issue, and particularly voters who are open and persuadable, who maybe be confused. Certainly Donald Trump's been talking a, a good game on, on trade. Uh, but we need to get out and engage folks in, on this issue and get them on our side. So if you're interested in that, I'm going to have a link. If you want to help us elect Russ Feingold, please go on and sign up, and we will be in touch with you down the road here as this programs uh, as these programs develop throughout the and year. We'll keep you informed also about Citizen Action's open records request, which is asking for what WEDEC claims it started doing in 2014, that is 
having 30-day reports on all downsizing and outsourcing, uh, no reports have been provided to the board as far as we know, and certainly not to the public. And so that's another open records request as out there. Uh, no records have been forthcoming yet, of course. So I'm going to move to healthcare. We're going to spend just a few minutes quickly on healthcare. There was a couple of key pieces of news. One is I want to point out that Senator Tammy Baldwin has introduced the SAME Act. This is an effort to jumpstart, restart the effort to accept the federal Medicaid money here. And so we know Wisconsin has turned that down. Walker continues to, and it costs the state millions of dollars and, of course, leaves uh, lots of people uninsured as it has pushed a number of people onto the exchanges that were not meant for them. So shout out to Senator Baldwin for continuing that push. We want to continue to support that. Again, we'll have a link if you want to, if you have not had a chance to sign our petition in support. Yes, it's and kind it, of a do-over so Scott Walker can get all the money if he'll just take the Badger money starting now. That's that's what it means. And also a shout out to John Erpenbach, who had an excellent op-ed continuing to, to push on this. And uh, Senator Erpenbach has been a leader on health care. So uh, continue. That issue does not die. And again, another issue that ought to be asked of state legislators uh, running for office on why they haven't accepted that money. Um, so the, the one other health care issue that I want to make sure we talk about this week and that is the news that came out that Wisconsin has the second highest health care costs Shocking. in the country, only behind Alaska, northern exposure, right? It's very expensive up there. So the notion that we're only behind Alaska, Robert, this is... A lot to insure, Moose. This is, this is not shocking to us. We've released a lot talking about the costs rising, but this has the comparative nationwide, and so it's obviously uh, very, very big news. So this is actual medical costs. So health insurance simply reflects that in a lot of ways, uh -huh. plus insurance company <laughs> profit. Uh, but the biggest chunk of health care is the medical services themselves, and they're 81% higher than the national average. Now, we at Citizen Action have been uh, alerting people to this for a decade with our health insurance cost ranking reports in Minnesota, Wisconsin comparisons, et cetera. But this is stunning. I mean, it literally costs a lot more to do business in Wisconsin. You are much more likely, therefore, to have very high deductibles and co-pay. So even if, if you are insured, a lot of people are avoiding care and therefore getting sick and not getting preventive care or chronic disease management. Uh, this has a much bigger economic impact than any Walker victory claim about what he's done on taxes. I mean, seriously, this is just gigantic for them to be 81% higher. And the hospital association is saying they're totally irrelevant and, and to ignore this. Nothing to see here. Uh, but literally, this is, uh, this is from the databases of the largest uh, for-profit insurance companies. So it allows you, since they're national, to compare across states. And so there are some areas that aren't included because they don't have a big footprint, uh, like northwestern Wisconsin and, uh, and Madison. We know Madison's a bit cheaper, but still high. But northwest Wisconsin and north-central Wisconsin, which don't have the big for-profit insurance companies as much, also were very expensive on insurance. So those in local insurers would have a lot of splaining to do if uh, it's all going to them, which is not likely. So the point here is, and this is what we need to think about, is how much, Matt and Jorna, has the legislature, the new great right-wing legislature that uh, was enthroned in 2011, focused on reducing health care costs? And what is their plan? 150% of their time. And right. their plan is awesome. Well, their plan is sabotage Obamacare because it causes all our problems. But, Jorna, explain to me why it makes us the second most expensive. Did Obamacare target Wisconsin more than the other yes, states? Yes, because hashtag blame Obama. <laughs> he won the state, Robert. Ugh. 
And we do, there's a really good bill by Chris Larson and Representative Colsty that never got a vote, never got a hearing. It's an insurance yeah, rate review in bill. So that may sound it's just about the insurance rates, but what it says is, is if an insurance companies have to justify their rate increases to get them, but the way they could justify them is to show that, uh, uh, that their medical costs had, had had increased dramatically, and then they have to reveal what the negotiated rates actually are. So in other words, if the insurance companies can prove it's the hospitals and the providers, uh, then then that's fine, but they have to actually make that public so that then we can make public policy around that. Robert, I, I just I want to point something out. You, you say that th these Democrats introduced th this legislation that would help protect um, more people and provide more access to health care. Republicans were just protecting Democrats from themselves by not allowing this bill to come up for a vote. I just want to I just want to point that out. They're in the minority. They don't really know what they're talking about. You know. We should do journalism. That's one theory. On the one hand, <laughs> I'll say on, point, the, on the other hand. <laughs> Maybe it's the collusion between the insurance no. industry and no. the hospital industry no. because the insurance industry colludes because they get a big, uh, uh, they take the same percentage of a bigger pie, even with the medical loss ratio, the 80 20 rule on what you have to spend on medical services that they're higher. Insurance gets a bigger cut. And then, of course, the hospitals want to pass more on as well. And when you see all those building cranes in your local, in your community, because the building cranes are almost certainly not new schools. Their hospital extensions. Be aware that's coming because of the outrageous health insurance prices and it's dr being drained out of the rest of the community. Just remember that. So we are going to give Robert a break here. You take a breath and we're going to switch topics. Um, obviously, we will continue to monitor health care as an issue, but also costs. As Robert has pointed out, it is a critical issue that we have to be focusing on going forward. Jorna, before we get to Paul Ryan, I, I want to get your thoughts on the excellent piece that was in the Cap Times this week about women in politics and the blatant sexism that they face. In fact, uh, the first sentence puts it best. Women in politics have to deal with a lot of garbage. assume you got a chance to read this and uh, obviously want to get your thoughts. And um, So it's a great piece uh, that Jesse O'Pion did in the Cap Times, and everybody should read it. And your favorite... Um, feminist lady fighter probably posted it on Facebook. So if everybody could just refrain from making snide, horrible comments on their post, that would be great. You mean Donald Trump posted it? <sighs> so look, <laughs> uh, you know, <laughs> as a woman, <laughs> this is just, this is not, this is what we go through every day. I mean, I posted something yesterday on a friend's Facebook page defending a particular elected official, and because my profile picture on Facebook is a horse, somebody lobbied, a man lobbied an insult at me. He thought it was an insult. I think it's a badge of honor that I was clearly didn't know anything as a member of the Democratic Party Dressage Caucus. I mean, and that's not even, that's just snide and childish, but that is not the hate-fueled um, rhetoric and things that are coming from the right and the left. Let me right. be very, very clear. The left does this just as much, just as much as the right does. Um, and it's disappointing. It's hurtful. You know, us women can pretend like it doesn't hurt us when things like this happen. Um, when we get called a bitch, when we get called um, foul body part names, when we get called all of these things. But you know what? It really does. And that's why you don't see more women stepping up into leadership positions because 
the emotional toll that it takes is just not worth it sometimes. Yeah, no, I think that that's, that's the key, right? What, we're, what this leads to, we see it in Milwaukee until this recent election where I think we now have two, two. alder women. Uh, we had one, right, for almost yep. a decade. And, we had and, zero at one point. Yeah, so it, you know, and that's a real problem because it impacts public policy. And we've talked a lot about, you know, how our current state of affairs and public policy has been slanted against women. You see it on women's health. We've talked about it on a number of issues. Um, so it has a huge impact if, if, if people won't serve because of this. And well, it makes perfect sense. And these men hide behind, well, if you can't take it, if you can't oh, take the please. heat, then you're not fit to serve. And, you know, you don't have the right to unfriend me on Facebook or you don't have the right to, to say that my opinion that you're this horrible feminazi is wrong. You know what? Screw you. Right. We do. And so it's really. Now, that was a Rush Limbaugh phrase, right? Feminazi. And that I is do, used by the left mm, as well. Mm-hmm. I do want to ask you, and I, I'm not asking this in a uh, argumentative way, just an informational way. I'm surprised to hear you say, and you'll know much better than I do, obviously, that you think this is equal across the left and the right. I, I assume it exists on yes. both sides, but I would, I would think that there are more right-wing Trump kind of voter types who, uh, who, would, who do it more often, but you, that's not your experience. I would love to say that the left should be held harmless in this, but they shouldn't. Well, not um, harmless. I totally agree. I, maybe it's not 50-50, but I would be willing to bet that it is closer than to 40-60, um, left-right, okay. because uh, there, there still is incredible male privilege. This is why I don't, you know, this is why I make 70 cents to a man's dollar. This is why I have to work, you know, X number of hours more for equal pay. This mm-hmm. is why, you know, single moms are villainized. It, it's not just from, and, and then it's also done, Robert, it's also done under the protecting women banner, which is, you know, patriarchal, it is condescending, and it's done under this, you know, you don't know any better, so we'll just come in to protect you, and you better be grateful. Well, and I I thought the piece was, the timing was excellent, because we've just gone through a Democratic primary where this issue has been raised, right? It's been been certainly a part of the debate, and so I think it was important to just sort of take on the issue specifically and do it in a bipartisan way. And I thought uh, the quotes that are in here, um, you know, we don't, we're not going to go through them all, but uh, it's, it, it does show how bipartisan this is. And this language is not something that actually leads to better discourse. So wh- I, I don't understand how anyone could think it, it was appropriate or somehow they were justified or had some right to say it. I mean, it's like, yeah, I guess you got a right to say it, but like we have a right to basically say that, we think it's unacceptable and, and it has no place in, in, in civil uh, discourse, in any kind in of discourse, civil society. right? Yes, exactly. If, if anybody, just real quickly, if anybody <clears throat> wants to, if any male would like to experience what women go through, I would highly suggest that you set up a fake Tinder profile or something like that and then see how vile mm-hmm. men will treat women that they don't even know based on a picture or their expected response or things like that. It's That's a fascinating experiment. Well, I'm glad the story was written. I'm glad we could talk a little bit about it. But now, <laughs> as you know, we're glad we talk about happy to move on to Paul Ryan. So it's oh, Paul Ryan Watch. Ryan Watch. Ryan Watch. 
All right, so we're, we're gonna get the we're, we got to get the first part out of the way. Um, Paul Ryan will be chairing the convention despite his little kerfuffle with his orangeness. Um, he his orangeness is no no really. I trust you to to lead the convention. You know, as long as you just stay in line. Son, stand over there. Oh, right. it was it, it's it was brilliant, Trump. By yes, the way. yes, it's very um, it's very. Patriarchal, and it's very, you know, it, if you read Lakoff's Don't Think of an Elephant, I, you know, there's the strict father and the nurturing mother, and right now, Donald's being a little bit of both, so depending this is on the about moment. Who's your daddy? Yeah, right? yeah, no, oh, no, oh, totally. So, so people, people have been talking about when's Donald gonna pivot? I would describe this as a pivot for Donald. In the past, what he would say is, I'm, I, I beat Scott Walker like a little boy. And instead of calling Paul Ryan a little boy, he said, you can, you can chair my committee uh, all four days Daddy. long. <laughs> you can go up on stage for my coronation, little boy, right? All right. So, can we talk so about the other part? Let's get, yeah, let, go on. Okay. On. So I'm so excited. I can't even. So my boss came into my office late last week and he said, you have to watch something because you're going to love this. Yes. And he gave me this link to a YouTube clip, and it is a gentleman, a tattooed, uh, you know, cut-off T-shirt wearing Harley riding gentleman, riding through the back roads of Janesville with, you know, his woman on the back of his bike, and he stops and he gets off of his bike and he starts talking about how bad TPP is and he starts talking about how manufacturing jobs have left Wisconsin and then he goes into his factory floor and magically he's wearing a suit and he's a good looking guy and he's got some tattoos. I kind of like that. And then he talks about how, you know, Paul Ryan won't come back to the district and he really wants to debate Paul Ryan or he wants to arm wrestle him. Welcome to the new world, And this Paul. guy's name is... Paul Nalen, and I love him because he is leading a truth resurrection. So, Brian, I, I want you to play the clip, even if you can just hear the oh, audio. God, and by the way, amazing. this is a slick click clip. Yeah. It has well drones done. used. There's beautiful footage going over the old Janesville uh, GM site. Yep. Uh, footage of him riding his motorcycle down a, a rural path. So it's a, it's a slick video. And of course, sitting on the issue we know is the dynamite issue and where Paul is incredibly vulnerable. Paul Play the Ryan. Clip, Ryan. Paul Ryan, yes. Thank you, Paul And Ryan. Paul Nalen. The other Paul. This bike was built in Wisconsin. We build some of the baddest bikes on the planet. Before Paul Ryan went to Washington, Wisconsin was a manufacturing powerhouse. Now, not so much. I'm a businessman. I build things, create jobs. Jobs allow people to pay their mortgage, put food on their table, put their kids through college. TPP is a job killer. It's gonna kill American manufacturing. Mr. Speaker, you championed this trade deal. Why don't you come back to Wisconsin and debate me man to man, face to face, on the realities of TPP. 
And if you don't want to debate me, maybe we can arm wrestle. He has already received and wait for esteemed it, endorsement. The Sarah Palin endorsement. And I will predict on this podcast that there will be a remake yes. of that ad with Sarah Palin on the back of yes. the bike. Absolutely. Oh, God. I hadn't Ab- even thought of that. Absolutely. <laughs> and now I'm even more excited. Just so everybody knows, while this gentleman, Paul Nalen, is talking about TPP and you know being bad and, and manufacturing jobs leaving Wisconsin, he is a Republican. And he is going to he's force- He's a Tea Party running he's, to the he's right a, of oh, yeah, He's got a Republican. tattoo that says like some Tea Party slogan of like, get out or get up or get out. Or, I don't know. It's something. Um, clearly up, not up on my Tea Party lingo, but this guy is going to force Paul Ryan to actually have to be in his district to campaign. I don't know that he beats him. Um, you know, that would that would be just too awesome. Uh, but it's going to force Paul Ryan to actually have to pay attention to Wisconsin. And the Palin endorsement was not a paper endorsement. She is coming to campaign. I can't so wait for that, too. She'll, she'll, be a my lot friend Scott Ross and I do great impersonations of Palin and McCain. Let, let me remind people... This is a primary that will play out in August, August 9th. Very oh, yeah, low voter turnout in an, in a in a district where, you know, it's not it's not a tradition. It's not like a Waukesha. It's not like district. Waukesha. No, yeah, it's no. It, it mm-hmm. has a lot of Democrats who yeah. could easily cross over and it has independents who could decide to show up in yeah. a primary. So They all ride them snow machines. So there you go. Uh, Senior Ryan has a real challenge on his hands. Speaking of Trump, though, he is meeting with Donald today, Thursday. So as you listen to this podcast, I'm sure there'll be all sorts of splashy news about Donald and his new friend. His He's new been called in for a classroom yes. consultation with he the headmaster. Patted on the head. He <laughs> sent his way. Um, one other uh, piece of Paul Ryan news. A new polling came out this week that showed Paul Ryan is very unpopular. The public policy polling found that... Uh, Nearly a majority of Republicans don't think he's doing well as speaker and more think he's doing poorly than think he's doing well. And of the broader public, it's even worse. And so, he's about to get Eric cantered. Yeah, so yes. like this has all been working out great for him. The interesting dynamic, though, that I want to raise that this poll also found is, so Ryan gets is getting punished because he's, of course, taking on Trump, not unifying, right, not leading. But yet the poll also shows if you say you're, going to attach yourself to Trump, you will be severely punished also, particularly by independents, where it hurts you like 28 points. So this is the party's, if you want to say the party's coming undone, this is the problem for them, right? Like if you don't get on the train, this wild base will just eat you alive and we'll see if that happens with Palin. And if you do, you, you know, you just have pretty much most of the normal human beings that are the rest of the voters basically being like, why are you with this Trump guy? So we'll see. We'll see how this I, plays out as as the Trump numbers. If if the Trump numbers continue to be 50-50 with, with the Democratic nominee, then a lot of this all changes, right? Just to be so, clear. And that appears to be happening. You can replay this part of the podcast in October. This is way early for any of this polling. Yeah. And once it polarizes, 
uh, between two candidates. This could really, and, and you start having issues and events occurring, uh, this could change dramatically. And there is some very scary polling, that uh, uh, Quinnipiac polling, showing that uh, Trump leading Hillary in Ohio. So that would be highly problematic. Now, the critique is, is that Quinnipiac may undersample African Americans, but even so, uh, she can't be losing uh, the upper Midwest. So just to be clear, Trump may lose a lot of voters, a lot of Latino voters, for example, but he may have a lot more of a shot at a lot of blue-collar voters in manufacturing states Sure, like sure. We, we, we've, of course, talked about that. It's still clearly a predicament, right? It's, it's a difficult situation that guys like Ryan are trying to navigate, and I just, I'm not sure there's a clear path for them other than to get on the train. That's why it's time for a That's truth right. resurrection. Hence the meeting today. With that, we're going to move to the weekend furloughs. Robert, it's going to be 50 degrees. It's going to be a beautiful Wisconsin weekend. In May, you wear 50 and, you know, kind of cloudy and little peaks of sun just to... I know what Robert's going to do. ...to poke your soul. He hasn't made any plans yet. <laughs> no, no, no. Come on, don't. we got to leave that. Come on. He does. What, come on. What is it, Robert? Well, Barry? I'm definitely going Friday night to the showing of Who Brainwashed My Dad. There you go. Who Brainwashed on, My Dad. On, talk, on right-wing talk radio being presented all over the area by our Wisconsin's uh, Citizen Actions uh, organizing cooperative for the Radioactive Project. I might or might not go to um, Chicago for a global climate rally on Sunday. It's a timing question, so I have to get back for a house party for the radioactive campaign again that Jill, good friend Julie Kohler and Jackie Boynton are co-hosting. Yeah, that uh, the event on Friday, the, the movie that Robert is referencing, is at the Milwaukee Teachers Education Association, if you're interested in going. What time does it start again, Robert? Uh, we'll have to find a link and put it in because oh, I, I need to look it up myself. I don't even know. My wife is actually helping put that on, so uh, there's a good chance I will also be there. Jorna, what are you doing? Uh, I am going to play with my horses. I'm going to judge a horse show on Sunday, and I am going to move half of my stuff into storage because I have to find a new place to live as my landlord is selling my building. So I'm I'm in a peachy mood. Yeah, she's she's in a great I'm mood, a folks. Grabby. Let me let me just say There's if you have a new stuff they're building around here. Yeah. Though, yeah well, if you can find a place for Jorna and Bayview or River <laughs> West, she's actively looking. Please contact Walker's her. Point. Inbox her on Facebook. So she desperately needs a place, and it has, has to have um, the floors need to be reinforced to hold all of the horse gear. So <laughs> And dog, the Jack Russell. It has and the to ja be dog-friendly. Absolutely. The horses don't actually visit themselves. It'd be cool if they could, though. Yeah. <laughs> well, I've got a doubleheader racing weekend. It's our first weekend back in Wisconsin, so our uh, district kicks off this weekend at Beaver Cycle Club, which is a lot of fun. It's going to be cold, but... If you enjoy racing, come on out to Beaver Cycle Club Friday, uh, Saturday night and Sunday afternoon. And we want to thank Brian Wilbur. Thanks, Brian. This podcast happens every week. We will see y'all next week.